Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris and welcome back to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, I'm really excited to have you back again this week. And this week, I'm really proud to have Ted Rubin with us. Now, some of you may or may not know who Ted is. I've known Ted for quite a few years, but Ted's a leading social media strategist. He is a brand innovator. He's a speaker. He is just a great guy. And I really wanted to have him on the show this week because he has a really unique story and a story about his two daughters and really not letting up, not giving up on his two daughters, even though he's gone through a really, really tough time in his life. So Ted, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, Chris, thanks so much for having me. I, you know, I always admire everything that you work on, you know, as far as being a dad and being such an important part of the lives of your children and encouraging so many other dads to do the same. I mean, we met back, I believe it was at, when I was at Collective Bias, when I was a partner there. It might have been a little bit before because I've been in the space for a long time. We've met face to face. We've been involved with the Dad 2.0. I love what you do. And I'm really, I got to tell you, I'm honored that you have me on your show. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the topic that we've chosen. And I'm happy to do anything I can to serve the community in any way I can. Well, I really appreciate that because I think first and foremost, why don't we start with you telling a little bit of your, for all of you that don't know Ted, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to a video that was really well done. And it, it really t talks about Ted's story. Ted, I want you to bring us into your life a little bit and tell me again, your story. Tell me your story about you and your daughters and and some of the struggles that you've had to overcome. Well, first thing I want to say is, you know, it's funny when you read a little bit of my of my bio, but like when people ask me, like, how do I define myself? Very often I say I'm a dad of daughters. And, you know, being a dad was always something important to me, something I wanted to do. And then it became a very important part of my life. And like you, I tried to be a very active part of my girls' lives, especially when they were young. Um, and then just to get a little bit to the story, I was somewhat taken out of my daughter's lives. Uh, I went through a divorce. Unfortunately, I was married to a borderline personality. She was determined to take my daughters out of my life. I'm going to make this very brief because this could go on for a, quite a long time. If anybody really wants to get details, all they have to do is Google Ted Rubin and divorce. And you'll see a lot of it. There's also a lot of it on tedrubin.com under Divorce Dad. But you got to go back far because I try not to dwell on a lot of that stuff now. Uh, I focus more on staying a part of my daughter's lives. But what really what basically happened was I got divorced. And one day I showed up to pick up my girls. And I was told I couldn't have them. And that they weren't going to come with me anymore. And at the time, my, my ex, well, she still does, lived, uh, had moved to a house that was on a big piece of property. And the house was well back on the property. And what happened was I pulled in the driveway. She came running down the lawn, pulled her car up behind mine and said, this is what you get. And she called the police. And my, my daughters are standing at the door saying, Daddy, you have to leave. The police are coming. And she accused me of trespassing. The police tried to calm her down and explain to her that someone can't trespass unless they're first given an order not to be on the property or at least even asked not to be on the property. She started screaming at them. They 
very kept their cool. They brought my daughters out to the car. They explained to my daughters I didn't do anything wrong. But shortly after that, my ex made it impossible for me to have any time with my girls. She called the schools. She called the, the religious schools, the regular schools, their activities, and told them I was no longer allowed to have access to my daughters. She wouldn't let them come with me. And of course, I wouldn't physically take them, even if legally I was allowed, because that was just too hard on my girls. So I had to go through the process of getting my daughters back. Just to put a little perspective on this, it took me three months until I had access to them other than at the bottom of the driveway, which she let them come down, talk to me, told them they were not allowed to get in my car. I did a Hanukkah with candles on the back of my truck and gave them their gifts. It was freezing cold out. I said, girls, let's just get in the car. I promise I won't go anywhere. Just I want to give you a gift so you can open them without freezing. Uh, They were too frightened to do that, and I wouldn't push the the subject. But in the end, it took me about three years and seven figures to get full rights to my daughter's back, which was from 2007 to 2010, approximately. In 2010, when a ruling came down, unfortunately, it hit the law journal because it was a landmark decision. My ex was the first woman in the United States to be held in contempt of court and convicted of child alienation, which is a big problem in this country, alienating children from a parent. So this case was very important. They promised to protect our identities. But uh, the Law Journal was a little bit behind the times in 2010. So they called us Ted R. and Lauren L. from Huntington. It took the New York Post about five minutes to find out who we were and surround the houses and make their way to my office. It was all over the newspapers. It was front page of the New York Post for three days running. That's also, you can find that online. Uh, They started giving her nicknames. There was a press conference about it. The judge advised us to do that so there'd be witnesses because they didn't want me to get cornered and get interviewed because the press tends to change things a bit. They don't necessarily say things that aren't true, but you know, you say some words, they take it out of context. So we did this with lawyers present. And even with that, it was taken out of context. I said, I hadn't seen my girls unfettered for three months. It became three years when it hit the news, which was a very bad thing because my girls saw all this stuff and they heard the misconceptions. It gave my ex the ability to say that I was doing things that I wasn't doing. And it was just in general, a very hard time for everybody. In 2010, I was $300,000 in debt. Thank God I had good friends. I had good credit lines. I was able to borrow the money. I paid it all back within 14 to 15 months of this trial and the legal fees ending. I worked 20 hour days. I took on every consulting gig I could on top of my regular full-time job. Um, Fortunately, because of the tools available to us, I was able to go through a lot of this without my employers knowing until this thing hit the newspapers and I had to inform them because I had to leave the office. And unfortunately, it's never really gone away, even with the court rulings. My daughters are constantly alienated. My ex makes it very, very difficult for them to spend time with me, even at the age of 22 and 24. It's a very hard situation because people don't really understand it. Outside people say, hey, they're adults. They're 22 and 24. Sit them down. Read them the riot act. Straighten them out. But you can't do that. According to people I trust, my sister-in-law being one of them, who's a Harvard-educated child psychiatrist and other very wise people that I trust and I get counsel from. My girls are still 12 and 14 when it comes to this type of a topic. They're suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. They're in love with their captor and they should be in love with that person. It's their mother and their mother's a very important part of their life and should be regardless of all these problems. And I always say that and I, in, to them and to their face, I never 
talk about this. I never bring it up. I don't put them down. Every once in a while, if something comes up at this age, I will say, girls, you know, that didn't happen. And actually right now I'm only talking to my 22 year old, my 24 year old, when she graduated college and went to grad school, cut me off. But I still every month send her an email and a text telling her I love her, that I'm always here for her. I have a hashtag I use, this dad won't quit. The video that you were referring to is called the dad that doesn't quit. I will always be there for my girls. And something I say in the in the video that I want to share with the people in the audience before we get into any kind of Q&A you have planned or any other discussion is that no matter whatever happens, nobody can ever take out what's in my heart. So my girls may never ever come back to me the way I hope they will, that my older daughter may never be a part of my life again. But what can never be taken away is the way I feel about them. And the, the love I have for them, the memories I have for, of them, my good wishes to them. And, you know, something I say to people when, again, they say, oh, my God, how do you live with this? How do you deal with it? Let me ask any dad in this audience, if you were given a deal with the devil, your daughters will be happy and healthy for the rest of their lives. All you have to do is agree to never see them or talk to them again. Would you make that deal? And I'll tell you that I know I would make that deal in a heartbeat to guarantee their happiness and their health. Now, let's not get into the esoteric, how could they be happy and healthy if you're not a part of their lives? I'm talking just from a straight thought-wise. And that, that's the, the perspective I try to put it in. Thank God they are healthy. I believe they're happy. I'm sure they have issues over this, and that's not something I can directly put my hands on. All I can do is always be there for them and let them know that I am. And thank God I do still have a relationship with my younger daughter. It's strained a bit because she's always worried about when she sees me or how she sees me, but she's never said no when I come to Philadelphia when she was at University of Pennsylvania. She's now at Harvard Law School. I'm going up to see her in Cambridge in a couple of weeks. I told her I'd be up there. She, you know, I asked her for a certain night. She said she was busy, but immediately offered a different night. And of course, like I always do, I made that night work because I, I will always be there for them. And it's caused me issues on, on, you know, with relationships with other people where I, when I have to say, I will drop anything for a text, for a call, for when they need me. And not unlike, I think, just about any dad. And the reason I'm a little bit more open at check, like at any time, anywhere, anyhow, for any reason it is because I don't get that many opportunities. So, you know, a regular dad or a dad that's a regular part of his kids' lives can say, hey, honey, I can't do this now. I'm going to need to make it next week. I don't have that luxury. So I make it anytime, anywhere, for any reason. So going through what you had to go through, I'm sure that as you were going through it, there's there's probably anger. There's probably other emotions that you're having to deal with. And in other dads that I have talked to or that I have interacted with that have gone through situations where they've been removed from their children or they're having uh, difficulties with an ex-spouse or ex-relationship and there's a child involved, a lot of times there's anger. At this point, knowing you and the times that, that we've had to be able to spend time together it seems like you've been able to, in some aspects, move past that and be able to move beyond that to be able to find happiness for yourself. And, and I'd like for you to be able to to give me some perspective of what you had to do to get there. Okay. So that's a really good question. And there's a really good story behind it that 
I don't think I've really, I, I've told certain people the story, but I've never really shared it publicly. So yes, uh, like every single person that goes through something like this, I had a lot of anger. I mean, imagine that I had to spend all this time fighting just to see my daughters, that I had become financially healthy again after post-divorce. And my divorce was caused because of the financial collapse in 2001, the uh, internet 1.0. And my ex basically said, I didn't sign on for this when I said we had to make some changes. So I'm healthy again. And then I turn around and not only do I lose and miss all this time with my girls and all this unfettered access. And I'm accused of sexually abusing my daughter and every other gambit that comes into these things with the lawyers. That was hard enough and, and, and bad enough. But I, you know, I, I also went into debt and had to do all these things to come out of it. And I was really angry. And I, I'm going to tell you something again that I haven't spoken about that only certain people know, but I decided that I was going to start a business. So this is in 2008 when I decided so I was or I was in the middle of this and I was really angry. And I decided, remember, Facebook is very young and social networks are very young. And I decided I'm going to start a business called Rant About Your Ex. And this is verifiable because if you go into GoDaddy, I own every URL Rant about your ex, ex, rant about your ex with the letter x, dot org, dot com, dot net. I still own them to this day. And the reason I still own them is I want people to be able to see that I own them. So when I tell the story, they don't go, get out of here. There's no way you were going to do this. Now, this is not just a story about me. This is a story about friendship. And this is a story about the people around you and how important they are in this whole process. So, I decide I'm going to start this business. And I even met with Ben's son. I don't know if you know who Ben is, but he started a lot of very unique social networks about different people from different countries and different nationalities. And a friend of mine, Kevin Aronin, who founded Free Lotto, knew him and had introduced me to him to get some advice. And I decided I was going to start this thing. And because what did I do every day after court, after my lawyers, I would call my friends and go, oh my God, she did this, she did that. And thank God I had great friends. And there were some women among them, very, very dear friends who let me go off every time they were waiting for me. They'd even call me after they knew I was in court. So they'd give me the opportunity to vent. And I come up with this idea and I got very serious about it. Uh, so I, I collected people that could help me. My buddy who is, a, who is an attorney and writes up, you know, uh, venture capital deals and all these other things, he actually wrote up the docs to raise money for this. Another buddy of mine is a very top technology person. Uh, I'm not sharing their names, but he was going to build the site. Another guy, a friend of mine is a real specialist in branding. And I put together this group of four or five people. And we actually met four or five times in an office in New York. My buddy lent us his conference room and uh, they were, help we, we have, I still, ha I have a logo. I mean, I have the documents, the financial documents, but apparently they got together after the first meeting and said, we are never going to let him launch this business. This is his therapy and this is what he needs to go through. And we're going to all meet with him. But they all wrote a note and they put it in this envelope and sealed it. It had my name on it and the date that they wrote it. And they held on to it, waiting for me to either have a realization or for the day they were going to have to sit me down and say, dude, we're not doing this thing. And I'm serious, by the way, we were building a business. I have all the pieces of it. And one morning I woke up and I said, this is eating me up. I'm angry. 
I'm waking up every morning thinking about this business and thinking about, about how to make it better with making it nastier and, and writing up all these things about things I was upset about and who am I going to bring in? And I woke up one morning and said, I don't want to be angry anymore. And I'm not doing this. And I, I, and this is when I really started. I mean, I started the Twitter handle, just be nice. I got involved with the be good to people, people. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, like I've got to tell these guys they're vested in this. Like I really thought like they were thinking about their ownership and they really talked to me about it. And I was like, so I, I call them up. I said, guys, we have to have a meeting in the city. It's got to be this week. I've got to talk to all you guys. I've got really important news for you. And I sit them all down in the room and I look at them and I go, guys, I have to, I, I'm really sorry, but I can't do this business. I, I just don't want to be angry anymore. I've got a pit in my stomach. And, and since I decided this and called all you guys for this meeting, I can't tell you how much better I feel. And they all started laughing. And like, I actually got hurt. I'm like, what the f- laughing about? And they go just a minute. And one of them gets up and he goes to this file and he pulls out the envelope and he puts it down in front of me and he goes, open it. And it's this letter from all of them telling me that they were never going to do this. And that they did this because they knew that I needed it. And I'm tearing up thinking about it now. So in answer to your question, We all have to go through our things that we need, whether it's being a therapist, whether it's your friends as therapists, whether it's yourself looking into yourself. Maybe it's just an epiphany that you have one day. But what I'm going to say is listen to your own voice. Get beyond what's like when the guy cuts you off and like, I don't yell at people on the road anymore. Chris, I'm a freaking New Yorker. I'm a type A personality. When someone cuts me off now, I wave and go, Hey, have a nice day. When I'm in the car with people that start honking at someone else, I go, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? I, I, I meet people I haven't seen in years and they go, who are you? Because they're used to me being like that guy that gets in someone's face. And I just woke up and I listened to my inner voice that said, stop. And I had been applying this in many ways already with not bringing my daughters in. I mean, my, my daughters over this whole process, all these years, they've probably heard me lose it once, maybe twice. Don't, by the way, don't think they don't repeat that back to me because that's what they do. They never say a word about the fact that every time I picked them up for 10 years, their mom screamed at me and yelled at me. But the one time that I did it, they repeat, but they, I don't, I didn't. So I, I managed it with them and I'm going to urge any dad listening to this, put them first. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit now being beyond it. So I'm being a little unfair here. Because I had friends try to talk a little sense into me at certain times, and I didn't necessarily listen. And we all say, no, 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 but my situation is different. Oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I do understand. And it's it's different, but it's not different. Put your kids first. If you can't get your clothes back, leave them. Buy new clothes. Go a little extra into debt. It's not going to change things. If I look back now, I can't tell you how many things I'd like to change, even with all the good I think I did. But what I'll tell you about the next step is yourself and you got to let it go. I just posted something. Uh, you guys that don't follow me, it's at Ted Rubin on Twitter, at Ted Rubin Instagram. Ted, um, okay, my, my, my handle on, on Facebook is Ted Libtard Rubin, but it is facebook.com uh, slash Ted Rubin. I added the Libtard because I was getting called names by people. And I decided just to own it and nobody calls me that name anymore. So it's kind of worked out for me. Uh, I'm a liberal, so shoot me. But what I'll tell you is that I just posted something that you can own your life again when you learn to let it go. 
I can't tell you that I've really learned that lesson with everything, but I'm trying to apply it to other parts of my life, but you got to let it go. And then you also got to disengage. Now, if you're still in it, the disengagement part is really hard. If your girls are still young, if you still have to pick them up at your ex's house, if you still have to, you know, deal with with her over decisions, then I get it. But you can disengage. You can disengage from the nonsense. You can disengage from the daily emails. You can disengage from the fighting back and forth, from having to prove you're right and say, it doesn't matter. That I did learn to do while it was still going on. I just, I wouldn't do the fight. I would walk away one time. My girl's stepdad, my ex's new husband, who is a respected doctor and was a decent guy before he had to prove himself to her, he spit at me in front of my girl's. And I walked away from it because that's what you have to do. And later on, especially as they're getting, when they're older and you don't have to deal with it. My my younger daughter, I didn't go to my older daughter's graduation. I was all set to go to my younger daughter's. I have a great relationship with her. Well, as great as it can be under the circumstances. She knew I was coming. I had all these plans. John Andrews, my business partner, who I call my business soulmate and one of my best friends didn't want me going alone. He was going to drive up to Philly from Raleigh with me and spend the weekend because he knew I wasn't invited to anything but the graduation themselves. And two weeks before, my daughter asked me not to come. And she just said, dad, I'm worried. Mom's going to be there with nanny and poppy. That's her grandparents. And, and that's all she said. She wouldn't get into any specifics. And, but don't think I wasn't hurt to the core, but I didn't go. And I went that Friday and I had lunch with her. I drove all the way up with John just to have lunch with her for a number of reasons, to show her that even though I couldn't go to the graduations, I was still going to make that effort to come because yes, I know that no matter what I did, it was going to be put in a bad vein. Oh, your dad came and you didn't want him to do. How dare him? Oh, your dad couldn't be bothered to come. So I drove up. I had lunch with her. I hugged her and I left and I let it go. And You know, you asked me earlier or you said something about, you know, and I don't know if it was on the podcast or it was when we were chatting before that maybe I still have some anger inside. And of course I do. And I promise you, I'm not shoving that down. And I just recently made a decision after a long time of using my friends, my my sister-in-law, who's a child, who's a psychiatrist and friends who are social workers. I've decided that I do need to see somebody. And I've made some outreaches, uh, mainly because of my sadness, not my anger. And I really believe that. Like, I'm very sad. I'm hurt that I'm not a bigger part of my daughter's life. My older daughter is 24 and at Columbia grad school. And she's had a boyfriend for a number of years. And he's a doctor. And I can imagine that they're going to get engaged at some point when she finishes school next year. And I'm sure I won't get invited. And it doesn't make me angry anymore. It makes me sad. It makes me sad for me. It makes me sad for them. And I'm going to do something about that. Other, I, I'm, Look, I'm very good at helping myself, but I also recognize that, look, I don't think I would have gotten through this whole rant about your ex if it wasn't for my friends who really held my hand through it and still do. So what I'll say to you is you've got to look inside yourself. You've got to listen to your inner voice. You've got to have friends and allow them in. But you also have to be careful about that. You have to let the right friends in. You know, not all of them are really willing to be there for you. A couple of my friends are angry themselves. They're angry about what she did to me. 
and my one of my best friends and and but he knows that that's for him to like hold on to he goes i'm going to hold on to the anger you can let it go so what do you say to friends like that that are that you know you want them in your life but you also have challenges having them in your life because they are taking you down a path that may not be best for you well, you know, fortunately, I'm really lucky. I've learned to separate myself from friends in general who make your life too difficult because of either disapprovals or wanting you to do things you don't want to do. And I have to tell you that at this point, all my friends are incredibly supportive. And again, the, I'm very upfront, so I don't let things go. If a friend is going somewhere with that, that I don't want them to go. Uh, and because I'm lucky they're good friends, I'll just be very upfront with them. Look, don't be passive aggressive. I don't like people in my life that are passive aggressive. And some of them are still there because I love them. But come out and say it. Don't like play it or just say, hey, or say to them, hey, Chris, Listen, I love you, man, and I know you're angry at my ex, and I don't blame you. And and you, part of it is your own anger because you have to do so much for me, the money you lent me, the time you gave me, whatever it was. But you've got to keep that part to yourself because I can't have that as a part of my life. Or let's have our little fun time with it. That night we're smoke, you know, smoking a cigar together or having a drink, and it's going to be you know rant about your ex night because you can always have those moments. But it's not going to be something that I'm going to live with every day. And I need you to support me. And don't think I also don't have friends that go, damn it, you got to sit your girls down. And some of those people I have let go. And I'll tell you, like, there's a lot of women that have come in and out of my life who I've let go. Truth be told, or maybe they've let me go. So I don't want to let my ego get into this too much. I basically said, hey, that's not somewhere you can go. And just recently I had that somebody said something like, you know, you know, uh, someone was uh, annoyed with me and it was like, well, you know, no wonder your girls don't. And I wrote a post about it on Facebook and I'm like, you know, say anything you want to say, do anything you want to do. Don't go there. And I've had business people go there. I've had personal relationships go there where that's where I draw the line. Don't use my daughters as something to get at me because then I'm going to shut you down and I'm going to shut you down hard. The New Yorker comes out. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, you talked about the hashtag that you've been using in in trying to re-engage your daughters and and I'm sure that there are dads out there that are trying to do similar things and you know for different reasons that they're trying to rebuild those relationships and you know what would you say to them? What would you say to a dad that is estranged from their child or has not seen their child in some time because of this type of situation? that might help them to start to see some ways to make those inroads? Well, first of all, I'd say, like I said, don't ever quit. Mine is about me. This dad won't quit uh, uh, under any circumstances. I would also say change your expectations. I've, I've worked really hard on changing my expectations. And this is important in a lot of parts of life, but especially with something like this that you really don't have control over. Especially, you know, you think you're going to have more control when they're older, but you're not. I had a long talk with a dad about this recently. And he was like, what are you talking about? They're adults. I can show up when I want to show up. And I'm like, dude, you're going to get arrested. I mean, forget about just the damage you're going to do to them. But you have to change your expectations. You have to take the small wins. A little thing like my daughter saying, Dad, I can't do Friday night. Can you come Thursday? I take that as a huge win. Like, like I literally called my buddy to say, you know, I didn't have to say, how about Thursday night? She offered it. That's a win. 
I wanted to visit her right before I came home. I was up in the Northeast for most of the summer. I live in Florida and I was doing a whole big road trip and some people might have seen it online. I, I, I cataloged a lot of it and I was supposed to see my daughter and she just said, dad, you know, it's orientation week at Harvard and I'm starting school right away. And the fact that she didn't just say no or be the fact that she explained it to me, that's a huge win. It wasn't just a no or a nope, you know, back on one of my texts. And by the way, dads, you're going to, I'm sure you've experienced this or you will when your kids go to college, you know, don't answer my text for four days. And when I saw my daughter this summer, I said, Nikki, listen, I get it if I'm bugging you, but just answer me or say, dad, I'm busy, but don't not answer my text. So the fact that recently my daughter has answered my text on a more timely basis, huge win. So that's one thing. Another thing is, and something else you know I use in the context of this dad won't quit, I also use another uh, hashtag called no let up. Any dad in the audience, I have bracelets, hashtag no let up, uh, reach out to me, tedrubin at gmail.com or my phone number is 516-270-5511. Use either of them if you want to, tedrubin at gmail, if you want to get in touch with me or talk to me or use Twitter and reach out to me there at tedrubin. Uh, don't DM me because I, it's, I mean, you can, but don't expect me to answer those right away. I don't look at them as, as frequently. But there's no let up in life. And no let up isn't just about my goals, it's about everything. A buddy of mine, Tony Luisi, had started a, a charitable group using no let up. And he, see, he called me up. He reached out. He goes, oh, my God, you're going to love this, Ted. And I saw it. And I said, do you mind if I start using this? This was a lot of years ago. And I said, I'm going to hashtag it. And he's like, what's a hashtag? And I, I told him. He goes, oh, yeah, feel free. And every once in a while, I'll see something online with someone says, hey, Tony Luisi, do you know Ted Rubin stole your no let up? And he jumps in and goes, he didn't steal it. I gave it to him. And for me, it goes well beyond what Tony had first talked about, which was helping people. But for me, it's about everything. There's no let up in life that, you know, you think you've gotten to where you want to be. And there's another crisis. There's another thing. Somebody in your family is sick. A friend needs help. Something changes in your life. Hey, you retire and think life is great. And you have to figure out what am I going to do now? There's no let up. And what I'm going to say to these dads out there is there's no let up. And no let up means there's no let up in being there. There's no let up in holding back your anger. And I'm not telling you don't have it. I think you need to deal with it at some point, but don't let your kids see it. Change your expectations. Take little wins. Let your kids know that you're always available. One of the things that my kids both do is I'm the one they call when they're in trouble. I mean, their mom has rules. Don't call me after nine o'clock. I go to sleep early. They know their mom gets angry. They know for me, and you know, you'll know, you hear this if you watch the This Dad Won't Quit video, which by the way, you can also search that, the dad that doesn't quit on Facebook or on YouTube. It's posted in both places. That my daughters call me. I let them know. At one time when my daughter was still in college, and my rule when, when my older daughter was in college was as long as I'm paying for school or for my part of school, you have to see me. And it doesn't have to be a lot. I, you know, I, I was taught a long time ago by my sister-in-law, the child psychiatrist, is it's okay to make rules, but don't make them impossible to meet. Don't make, um, you have to do this, this, and then to get something. If it's something that you know they're never going to do, make it easy things to accomplish so that they can feel accomplished and you can feel good that, you were, that they were able to listen to something you wanted. So I said to my older daughter, you need to see me twice a semester and once over the summer. That's it. Uh, for a meal. At one point, it became a cup of coffee. And I let that, fine, for a cup of coffee. And then my daughter blocked me from text. And I said, honey, you have to unblock me. And she said, why? And I said, because at some point, you might have to get in touch with me or I might have to get in touch with you. And she goes, you're the last person I'd ever call. 
And she was also trying hard to get me angry. And that's another thing, dads, don't let them get you angry because they're going to try to set you off because then it gives them a reason to not communicate with you, a good reason. So you can't let them get you angry. And I looked at her and I said, honey, that's okay. But at some point, you're going to need help. And you're going to call your mom and your stepdad and your grandparents and anybody else in your life. And they're going to tell you it's too hard. It's too far. It's too much. It's too late. And then you're going to call me. And I'm going to say, what do you need? When and where? And I'll be there. And she just sat there and stared at me, what felt like an eternity. It was probably 10 seconds. And she said, okay. And she unblocked me. So I'm just going to tell the dads that just keep at it. Keep trying. Let them know no matter what, you're the one that will be there. When they call you in the middle of the night with whatever, don't reprimand them. Just ask them if they're okay and what do they need. And then you'll end up being the one they call for those things because it's very hard to do that. So make it something that you'll always do. And then, like I said, change those expectations. So when you show up and they don't hug you, don't go, where's my hug? You know, don't insist on things. Don't say I love you and stand there waiting for them to say I love you back. Because very often they won't. My daughters have not said they love me. I can't tell you in how long. But for a while, I couldn't say I love them because they didn't want to hear it now. Or I couldn't even hug them. My daughter would either not let me or turn around. And now... She hugs me back. It's not the hug that I'm looking for. It's not the hug I used to get when she would insist every time I dropped off at her mom's to running down the stairs and jumping into my arms. But it's a hug. So, you know, patience. It's not just a virtue. It's a necessity. Well, Ted, uh, we're running out of time right now, but I really, really want to thank you for everything that you've shared today. And you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you and learning from you. We don't have the same situations in our life, but I always learn from you. And I, I know that all of you that are listening today, go back, listen to this again. If you are going through a similar situation, listen to what Ted is saying here and really let it sink in because you will be able to definitely take these nuggets and be able to turn them into something that will help you to be able to get through this as well. So I want to say that for years, I always thought of myself for many, many years as a networker. And what I learned and what I discovered over the last, I don't know, six to 10 years is that I'm a community builder. Uh, I mean, I certainly network, but I bring a lot of people together. I always have. And I've learned about the power of communities. And I like to say, I like to say that a network gives you reach, but a community gives you power. Networks connect, communities care. So what I'm first I'm going to say is this community is incredibly valuable. What, what Chris and all of you have put together, value it, nurture it, keep it strong, and then build your own communities. Like the, the, the friends I talked about, they, they're not just friends. They were a community. They work together. And that power is, is so important to, to your health and well-being and to others. And then the other thing I'll tell you, and something I say all the time, and think about this with those people in your community, but also with your kids, that relationships are like muscle tissue. The more you engage them, the stronger and more valuable they become. So keep both those things in mind as you move forward. So Ted, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being 
on the Dads with Daughters podcast today. I know that you shared some of the places for people to find you, but why don't you just say those one more time? So if someone wants to connect with you, where's the best place they should go? You can go to Facebook, you know, dot com slash Ted Rubin. Instagram is Ted Rubin. Twitter is Ted Rubin. YouTube is Ted Rubin USA. And a lot of my stuff is there. Feel free to reach out to me personally anytime. My phone number is 516-270-5511. I actually pick up the phone. I listen to my voicemails and I return calls. I know that's a lost art, but I actually do it. My email is tedrubin at gmail.com. Feel free to be in touch anytime. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.